Good evening. I'd like to welcome you to Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. This is Wednesday, April the 21st. I pray that you and your family are doing well. Tonight, I would like to share a couple of announcements before we get started. Don't forget this Sunday, we continue our sermon series, The Summit of Joy. I invite you to come join us at 8.30 or 11 in person and or virtually. We are not taking reservations now, so you can just come. And yet we are still trying to keep you and your family safe by practicing some safety guidelines. But we hope you'll join us either here or online and pray for us regardless. And we'd love to see you. Also want to remind you of an upcoming wonderful ministry called Grief Share. It will begin on May the 10th. Contact the church office or Gail Bender to find out more about this wonderful ministry. We've had so many losses over this past year, and we would love for you to be a part of this support group and, and this wonderful ministry of helping us deal with our grief. And also, I'd like to introduce to you Mary Rainwater. Mary is the wife of our recreation director, Lee Rainwater, and Mary has agreed to be our interim children's minister. So grateful for Mary for her heart for the Lord and for children. And I ask that you be in prayer for Mary as she leads our children's ministry during this season. And if you're interested in working in our children's ministry, contact again the office or speak to Mary as we need many more volunteers to work with our children. But tonight I am uh, grateful to introduce to you a, a speaker that's gonna be speaking Jill Briscoe is a world-renowned Christian author slash speaker who spoke this past March at our women's conference, the Devoted Conference. She is a wonderful woman of God, and I know bless my heart when I watched her speak, and I know many of you have already probably, at least our ladies have, have already heard her, but just felt led to share her wonderful testimony tonight talking about loving obedience and prayer and the importance of prayer and how she's gone through a rough year as well with some great loss in her life but i hope that it will minister to you and speak to you and then after jill speaks we have a wonderful worship team that led us during the devoted women's conference from cornerstone church in nashville and this is the church of Deanna Wall, one of our other speakers who is on staff as one of the ministers there. But they blessed our hearts, and I hope they'll be a blessing to you tonight as they sing. But right now, I want us just to go to the Lord in prayer. You should be receiving a prayer list if you're on our email list. And uh, please be in prayer. We have folks grieving, folks that are in need of a miracle. We have people that are taking treatments, people recovering from surgeries, facing surgeries. Please be in prayer for all these needs and be in prayer for this church and staff and for our country. We need revival and we need healing. But would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? God, thank you so much for this special day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, we just give you praise for your faithfulness 
And Lord, that we have a loving Father that we can come to when we are discouraged, when we're down, when we're at the end of our rope, when we're overwhelmed. Thank you that you're always there and we can come to you just as we are with our brokenness, our pain, our worry, our fear, our addiction, our depression, our anxiety. Thank you, God, that you're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Father, tonight I lift up all these names on the prayer list. You know who they are, God, and you know what the need is. And we pray for miracles of healing. We pray, God, for relief from pain. We pray for, Father, folks going into surgery or taking treatments that they'll be successful Anoint the doctors and the nurses and the medical professionals and anoint them with your Holy Spirit and your healing touch. And Father, I just pray for this church that we would continue to grow and, and reach people with the love of Christ during a very difficult, challenging season. And we give you praise, God, for your faithfulness to us and help us to be faithful to you. So, God, I just pray for everyone watching tonight, for every need, for every home, for every person, whatever it may be, loneliness or, Father, again, a, a, an addiction, whatever it may be, may they know they are loved and that they are forgiven and that you are with them. And, Lord, I pray tonight that Jill's message would speak to each and every heart, that it would draw us closer to you, and our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, bless everyone, and we look forward, Father, for what you're going to do, not only tonight, but Sunday and in the days to come. In the strong and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I close out tonight before Jill comes, this is a very special day. It's the day the Lord has made. Today is also my mom's birthday, and mom, I just wanted to say happy birthday to you. I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. This is also Queen Elizabeth's birthday, so we wish Queen Elizabeth happy birthday and pray for she and her family and the loss of Prince Philip, but thank you for watching tonight. Remember how much God loves you, and we love you too. Hello there. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this special day for women and this devoted women's conference. And uh, my first time having the privilege of teaching what I love to do most, the Word of God. And this time, especially that it's all about the commandments of God and uh, praying you can't do anything about the commands of God unless you're talking to him about it, which is what prayer is all about. And so I'm very excited to be here. And may all of you enjoy with your friends watching the conference. Well, my name is Jill Briscoe. And I have been around a long time. I'm in my 80s. I've sort of lied about it so much I can't remember how old I really am. <laughs> no, not really. I'm happy to be in my 80s and for God to have given me so much time to serve him down here on earth. Because there's a lot to serve about, isn't there? There's a lot to speak about. There's a lot to do for Jesus. And I'm delighted to 
know that we're going to be talking about the most important commandment. We've got to love God with all we've got. That's the first and most important commandment. Love him above everybody else we love and, and be obedient. Just do what we're told. Huh? <laughs> and I want to emphasize in my privilege of sharing things from the scriptures today, from the subject today, I want to be emphasizing how prayer goes together with studying the Bible. Through the Bible, God speaks to us. Prayer is having a conversation about what he says to us. It's talking to God about what he's telling us to do, the commands to obey, the warnings to heed, the promises to claim. You can't do one without the other. It doesn't make sense. And though I love speaking about prayer because, unfortunately, uh, I like talking about myself more than I do about anyone else, including God, because that's the selfishness in the human being that's fallen. But prayer to me has become the speaking part of my relationship with God. That's what prayer is. And so we're going to read what he says in a minute, and then we're going to talk about it. And what he says is God comes first. The most important commandment, he tells a crowd gathered around him when he was in his human body here on earth. The most important of all the commandments is that we love him. God. God. That's the first commandment. And we must love him above all the other people that we love. And his commandments are still relevant today. The Bible's never out, out of time, if you wish. It didn't have a time we should read the Bible and find a command to obey, a warning to heed, a promise to claim, something about Jesus, something about him which is what I was taught when I came to Christ, to ask the text questions when I'm reading it. A command to obey, a warning to heed, a promise to claim, something about Jesus and something about me. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. How or do we love God. Is it the priority of our life? Does it govern everything we do the moment we wake up? All day, every day. When Jesus was asked in one of his surprise sermons when he was in his ministry phase here on earth, he was asked about this, which, Jesus, would you say is the most important commandment? And he said immediately, as it says in the Bible, you love God with all your heart, soul, 
mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's still the most important commandment today. And I want to talk about that. Let me just quickly tell you a little bit about how I found reality in religion, in Christianity. I was up at Cambridge learning to become a teacher. And I'm a child of the Second World War. I'm really old. I'm in my 80s now. And I was in my 18s when I was at Cambridge. I was a good little Church of England girl, which everybody went to church in England before the Second World War. Those that came back who hadn't been killed never went back. That's what happened to England. And Sunday just became a family day when they could play together and get together in thankfulness that their loved ones had survived and come back from the war. And my dad was in the Second World War away for six years. We didn't know whether he would come back or not, but he did. We were very thankful for that. And after the war, I had a chance to go to Cambridge and become a teacher and uh, try and make sense of what we'd just been through. It was difficult finding out. And you can't really find out who God is and get to know him in a way a human being can get to know God without the working of the Holy Spirit who reveals to us from the Bible what God wants us to do and to be. And he wants us to love him first, to serve him first in our lives. And it was at Cambridge that I met people who could share those things with me. I'm sure they were around me as I grew up, but I honestly can't remember anyone that tried to share with me it was possible to know him in our soul, in our mind, and experience his inner presence when he walked into my life one day at Cambridge. And my life has never been the same. So I was what Christians call converted I received Jesus' spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God of gods, all in one. I received Christ. It's possible still to do that today. We're going to talk about that. I had the privilege of being at Cambridge for my four years with a crowd of Christian people who are legendary names in loving God and serving him all their lives. They were just 18 then. So many believers, Christians, real Christians, that I was privileged to spend those four days, four, I'm sorry, I was spent, Privileged to spend those four 
uh, years getting to know the church, the people of God. Now I'm in my 80s, I've started making little books of life lessons. Life lessons, things I've learned. And of course, I'm still learning. You can never get enough of knowing God. How can little created human beings ever know God in all this knowingness? But as I look back, I'm starting writing and scribbling life lessons. And one of the life lessons that has been very meaningful to me in this day and age in which we're living with the terrible things that are happening with the COVID, and not just the COVID, but in the world at the moment. The thing I want to share with you is my latest life lesson, though I shared and got to know about prayer as soon as I became a Christian. I came to know Jesus through a prayer. Very simple. I'm a sinner. I didn't know it, but somebody explained it to me, Lord. They explained the gospel to me, and now I'm a sinner saved by grace. I know you. You came into my life. And I became fascinated with the idea of prayer. Prayer is the speaking part, my speaking part in the conversation. So I read his word and there are commands to obey and warnings to heed and all of that. And I have a conversation about it. That's prayer. Or somebody's in trouble that I love or that I don't love that needs to know Jesus. And prayer is asking God to do something about that and maybe use me. And you never stop learning. You're only a prayer away. Do you hear me? You're only a prayer away. So let me get up to date. I have a sister. She's my only relative left in England now. All of them have gone to heaven except me, that I knew of my line. But my sister, who is older than me, three years older than me, was in better shape than I was, or I am. And then one day, I lost my sister to COVID. Right at the beginning, in UK, She lives in UK, I live in the USA. And I couldn't go to her bedside, so sad. If I could have done, I couldn't have gone and seen her and held her hand. This was last April, right at the beginning. Nobody knew at that point that our doctor, her doctor, had been to Italy on a ski holiday. She got a cold, just an ordinary cold, nothing important. Rang her doctor because it kept getting worse and she didn't understand why. 
And he said, there's this COVID thing come and I've got to see all these people as a line outside my, so he said, I'm going to send you to a, a doctor near you, Shirley, and it's probably you've just got a cough or something. And so he sent her to her. She did just have a cough. And what nobody knew was he'd been in Italy on the ski holiday, and he didn't know he had COVID. About four days later, in the local paper where my sister lives, the news came out, Dr. So-and-so has died of COVID. About eight days later, the COVID showed herself in my sister's life. So far away. My habit is to write poems, it helps me. If I could play the piano, I'd go and write a song. What God said to me, Jill, you're only a prayer away. This is what I, I wrote. One day I lost my sister to COVID's deadly touch and I couldn't go to be with her. The journey was too much. You see, she lived in England across an ocean wide, but God's great Holy Spirit lives in me. Yes inside. And the Lord spoke to my grieving heart, you're just a prayer away. So separated physically, we visited all day. And for those who know the Savior, we'll see above death's door two glorious words so clearly heard, enter evermore. So be encouraged, friends who mourn, get on your knees today, and as you face death's visit, know you're just a prayer away. Get on your knees for those you love, and know it's not goodbye, but rather see you soon because of him who came to die. Our Savior Jesus Christ, our Lord, died in our stead, you see. He paid for sin for what we've been. He died to set us free. So remember in death's journeys, go on your knees and pray. Remember that Jesus said, you're just a prayer away. I know I'm speaking to hundreds of people. And if it's time, and when it's time, God's time, we will go. Nothing will keep us here. Remember, in the going, you're only a prayer away. Only a prayer away. Only a prayer away. I think probably that might be the most important thing I have to say to you today. God is present by his spirit within us. And the Bible says that when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, his spirit within us will tell us. So if you were like me then, I didn't know what to pray. I was so devastated. But then I was only a prayer away. He answered me. 
And I know when I see my sister in heaven, we'll talk about the conversation I had when she couldn't answer and couldn't speak, but could hear. That's what the Bible teaches, you know. We're only a prayer away. So what about this commandment? Is it mission impossible? Well, there were 12 men who left their families and went with Jesus for three whole years. Their wives didn't go with them, apparently, not until after the resurrection. And often after a talk on the top of a mountain, The other verse I want to leave with you is from Matthew 28. Jesus has been on earth. <laughs> Incredible. He was willing to come to a womb and be born in nine months. Wow. Wow. I mean, he really did that for you and me. And then 30 years, that was all, when there was so much more to do before he'd finished his work, gathered our sin, suffered in our place, and went to hell instead of us. And God raised him from the dead. Yes, he did. No tomb could hold him. And he sits at the Father's right hand. Yes, he does. Today, even as I'm speaking, it's all true. Twelve men stuck with Jesus. One fell, unfortunately, Judas. And Jesus came back from the dead and hung around for 40 days. That's a talk in itself, but the disciples obviously thought he was going to be there forever and so they could go home and see their wives and their kids. And Jesus said, I'll see you on the mountain. See you on the mountain. And gave them in his resurrection body a sermon they weren't expecting. I mean, after all, they, I'll see you in Galilee, he said on a mountain there. Oh, he was going to stay alive forever. He'd been around 40 days doing miracles. Now their part was over. They could go home. And Jesus said, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. What? What, what's that word? Stood divided. Half a heart. Half a heartedness. They hadn't given him their whole heart. I've wondered which, as the scriptures say, some doubted. The word is also used, we're lukewarm, the same word that's used in Revelation 3, 20, which is talking about a church that was half-hearted, and Jesus wanted to renew and revive it so it was fully heart-given, 
full-hearted. It's used in other places in the same way. And I thought about the 11 disciples. Judas had gone to his reward. Which of those that had stayed through those 40 days and gone through the hell that they had been through doubted? The word means stood divided. The wrestling, well, what do you mean go to the far ends of the earth? What do you mean? I thought you told us to come to the mountain and meet with you because you had something to say to us. And some of the 11 doubted. Well, do you ever doubt? Two minds, it says. Well, I've done my bit. <laughs> Think about what they've been through in those three years. Think about it. It means half-hearted, half-hearted. Have you ever been half-hearted? I have, to my shame, since I came to know Jesus. I've had enough sometimes. I was a teacher at the back end of Liverpool with slum kids. They began to come to Jesus. In my spare time, I went into the drug dives down there and learned evangelism from the Salvation Army who trained me as a teacher in the area. I said, teach me how to street preach, and they did. And then I said, could I come into the pubs with you and find out what you're doing there? And they trained me. And God called me out of teaching. I knew he had, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I met my husband, who was a bank inspector. And in his spare time, was doing street ministry like me. And we met and married. And were invited to take over a big castle that was ministering to ex-German youth after the Second World War. Nazi youth who were coming to Jesus through that ministry. And one day, we had a big castle, and it was full. We'd bring the young Germans over to mix them with the English and the French, and that was interesting. <laughs> Some of those young Germans had seen their parents slaughter the French and the other people out there. And they're all together now in a Christian center in dormitories. And my husband and I were invited to come and take over that mission and ministry, and we did. And we stayed there for a long time, 11 years. And people began to give us castles. Well, I mean, we had one, why not? One in Austria, one in Germany, all over the place. And so Major Ian Thomas, who was the main man there who started this, a war hero, said to Stuart, you look after this, I'm, I, I need to go to Austria and do this, that and the other. And so he did. And then one day Stuart walked into the office and said, I need to help him. We've got six going and now 
They want some in the East, in the Middle East. And I knew it wouldn't be easy because I watched Major's wife, who never saw her husband. He was away constantly. And I knew Stuart would be too. And, and so that's what happened. He went to help Major and they started more and more people wanting this teenager's Bible school that he started and outreach. And so we went through 11 years, very hard, because we had three kids by then, you see, and daddy disappeared. And I began to resent it. I couldn't do it anymore. But just when I couldn't and my angst was affecting the children, and they couldn't do it anymore without daddy, Stuart came to a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And they said, you know people all over the world. Can you find us a new pastor? Our pastor's just retired. And Stuart said, how about me? And one of the leaders said, when you spoke on Sunday, I knew you'd be our next pastor. And he was right. And so in 1970, we left two widowed moms, both with cancer, brought our three children here. And we're still here. We're still part of that church which God used to grow and multiply. And Stuart said, I want to teach you about missions, and it became a mission church. People began to go to the mission field all over the world from Albrook Church. And then we stepped down, but we didn't step out. God had us now known, and we were able to concentrate on teaching and training our congregation to reach the world for Jesus. That's been going on all this time. Because all authority in heaven and earth is given to him, it says, go where you're sent, stay where you're put, give what you've got. That's what Major Thomas, alive till 98, my husband just had his 90th birthday and he trained us. What a man, what a privilege. Mission impossible, but it's only possible. Have you doubted? My habit, if I was music, I'd write a song, but I don't have a voice to sing it with. So let me read you what I read, because I, through all these years, have had my time of standing on the mountain and doubting. It means it's been in two minds. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus gives them the marching orders. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. In the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I found that God wants to meet us on the mountain. Many times through my life, I've had to meet him on the mountain. 
and deal with just want to go home, just wanting to quit. Have you met him at the lakeside? Did you hear his still small voice? Did he call you there to follow him and said, you have a choice? And did half of you say, yes, Lord, and have half a mind to start? Do you think he didn't notice when you gave him half your heart? He saw it on the day he met disciples on the mount and he gave them all another chance to make their whole lives count. Some said that day what comes to some said that day what comes my way, oh Lord, I'll do my part. Dear Lord, I'll be obedient and give you all my heart. I love for you and speak for truth and tell the gospel story. I live from this day forward to give you all the glory. Wherever you send me, use me, mend me, I will speak for you. Help me glorify your name. Be with me, see me through. So as we leave this mountaintop, will you go for him or stay? Continue on half-heartedly or give it all away? Will you yield yourself from this day on, receive the Spirit's call? Say, Jesus, I give all to you, not half my heart, my all. Somehow, I think I'm speaking to someone out there. But the first commandment is thou shalt love the Lord your God with all you've got, your heart, your mind, your will, all of you, all of you. Are you doubting or not? Amen.
death could 